0: All right, I think I got it together. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, let's all stand together today, and uh, it's good to be back. And somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something He is or does. All right, not everybody at once now. Good.
1: Feel like you can't serve? There's still always something you can do if you're if you're open to being a vessel for for other people. So I'm just really appreciative. We got a lot of stuff done yesterday. Um, there's a new Gaga fit.
0: nobody else wants to say anything, the star of the show has arrived. (laughs) So uh, we're going to read from Psalm 27 today, Psalm 27, and Psalm 27 is of David when it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head has, shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That's a great psalm for us to always keep in mind. And that was uh, actually, I did that psalm today by request. Somebody asked me, they said, you know, this this would probably be a good psalm for somebody. So yeah, it's a really good psalm. Think about that God is always with us. He's he's our protector. He watches over us. We just run to him. He will protect us from our enemies. And we will get victory over all of our enemies through God. So, um, this is the God we've come to worship today. We're going to sing some songs together. First, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Let's worship the Lord together. Good morning, everyone. As we take the cup and the bread together in the remembrance of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we must remember why he came here. He was sent here to save all of us so that we will have eternal life with him. After his life of teaching, healing and showing God's grace, the final proof of that eternity was his resurrection after the third day of his death. Jesus wants all of us to be with him. All we have to do is follow his commands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings we have. I thank you for this church and its congregation. Amen.
1: Now is the time in the service for announcements. Uh, Pill bottle collections. We're always um, collecting pill bottles. Could be prescription or over-the-counter. Empty preferably. And um, those go to Matthew 25 Ministries. Um, Ink cartridge collection. So if you're replacing your ink cartridge, bring the old one in. Um, We are able to use it to reduce the cost of office supplies here at the church. Food pantry, clothes closet. Me every Thursday, 5 to 7, if you'd like to come and serve, if you'd like to come and pray, if you'd like to come and just see what we do, if you want to come and fill boxes, there's always a place for you. Refit free dance fitness class every Tuesday and Thursday, 630 to 730. Mm -hmm. Empty Nesters continuing their study um, book for women of the Bible on Thursdays at 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house. Breakfast Fellowship is next Sunday, uh, first Sunday of the month at 9.30 a.m. Breakfast is better when we eat together. We did some of that yesterday, too. Mellon Ridge Ministry is May 28th at 2 o'clock. If you have been joining us, we thank you. If you'd like to know what we do, you're welcome to come. Um, I will have the sign-up at the welcome table next week. Um, This lists our weekly budget needs and ministries that we support through giving ways to give can be in person. The offering box is in the back of the sanctuary. There's an online option and a texting option. Um, The bulletins this week are green. Please get one. Um, It has lots of information in it, and there's a a sermon outline on the back and some other things. You can write your own notes if you'd like to, and now starts the 10-minute meet and greet. Thank you.
2: glimmer the breaks No. No!
0: finally got myself ready here. I was enjoying that song though, so I was kind of letting it ride out a little bit. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, it's good to be back here. Good to uh, good to be able to preach the word again. Uh, so I'm going to preach a message today. It's just been kind of on my heart the whole the whole time I was gone. It's like a, something I said uh, the last time I was up here. I talked about uh, baptism and stuff like that. And Having to be baptized to be saved, and since that day, it's like every day somebody says something to me about baptism, or somebody will call me and say, show me where that is in the Bible, show me where this is in the Bible. So I figured today I'm going to show you where that is in the Bible in case some of you have a question about it, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's uh, turn together in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10, John 3, 1 through 10, and when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. You know, the title of today's teaching is you must be born again. You must be born again. Then John 3, 1 through 10, the Scriptures say, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, when we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, but you do not know these things? You may be seated. You must... I'm going to start again because somebody coughed. You must be born again. (laughs) You must be born again. Those are five of the most important words Jesus ever spoke. But those are also five of the most misunderstood words Jesus ever spoke, especially in modern times. Now, those words still leave many in our day, like Nicodemus, with a lot of questions. Questions like, what does this mean? How can this be? So today we're going to learn what this means and how this can be as we answer three questions about this foundational truth of the Christian faith. You must be born again. Let's pray. Holy Father, we ask you to sanctify us by the truth of your word, illuminate our minds to understand the truth, and give us your grace to put the truth into practice. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So the first question we want to answer about being born again is, what does it mean to be born again? So John introduces us to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a religious ruler and teacher of the Jewish people. Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus at night, and in John 3, 2, Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now here John shows us that Nicodemus is coming as a representative of at least some of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus says we have seen and heard about the many miracles Jesus did among God's people and those miracles convince them that Jesus must be a prophet sent from God. So some of the Sanhedrin recognized Jesus as a rabbi who had been sent from God to teach them something about God's will for them. But what Jesus came to teach is what Nicodemus and the other rulers were ignorant of. So in some sense, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, it's symbolic. It represents the spiritual darkness that Nicodemus and the other spiritual leaders in Israel had led God's people into. So Nicodemus is Israel's teacher, but he's ignorant about the true nature of God's kingdom and how to enter it. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, the one John calls the true teacher of Israel, the one John calls the light of the world. Nicodemus comes to him under the cover of darkness, and Jesus exposes Nicodemus' ignorance and explains to him how to have the darkness lifted from his eyes. John 3:3, Jesus answered Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus repeats the words, amen, amen, or truly, truly, he's stressing the certainty of what he's about to say. In other words, Jesus says, Nicodemus, you can be absolutely certain unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the messianic kingdom, the kingdom where God rules the world in and through his son, who is the Messiah. God's kingdom is not of this world, it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that can only be seen by spiritual people. And it's important we understand when we talk about spiritual things and spiritual people, that does not mean that those things are not real. doesn't mean that those things are not tangible. See, God's kingdom is real. God's kingdom is tangible. It's a real kingdom with a real king and real citizens, real laws. But God's kingdom is not a kingdom we can see through earthly eyes. And this is why Jesus tells Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot understand the true nature of the heavenly, the heavenly nature of God's kingdom unless you're born again. Now, the Greek word translated again in John 3, 3 has several meanings. It can mean again, it can mean anew, and it can also mean from above. But well, the question that Nicodemus asked Jesus in John 3.4 shows us that Nicodemus is only thinking about shows us that Nicodemus is thinking about something different. He, he thinks that Jesus has only one meaning in mind. Nicodemus asked Jesus, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus thinks Jesus is talking about a physical birth. So he asks, can you put a grown man back into his mother's womb? I mean, how many women are going to volunteer for that anyway? (laughs) I mean, that'd have to be pretty painful, right? You thought it was bad the first time. (laughs) So his question reveals that Nicodemus is thinking only about earthly things. His focus is on an earthly kingdom. But Jesus is trying to change the way Nicodemus thinks about the kingdom of God. That Jesus is talking about heavenly things and a heavenly kingdom. So the birth that Jesus is talking about is not a natural birth brought about by human beings or by human means. The birth Jesus has in mind is a supernatural birth, a miraculous birth brought about from above by God. The birth Jesus is talking about is not only a new birth, it's a birth birth from above. So this is the answer to our first question. What does it mean to be born again? Well, to be born again means to be born anew from above. Born anew from above. Now, let's look now at our second question about being born again. How are we born again? John 3, 3, Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in John 3, 5, Jesus says that unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the second statement here explains the first. Being born again is the same as being born of water and the Spirit. A person must be born of water and the Spirit to be born again. Now, there's a lot of debate about what Jesus means by being born of water and the Spirit, and the biggest debate is about what Jesus meant by the word water. Some say that since Nicodemus brought up being uh, put back into his mother's womb, a, a person being put back into his mother's womb, since Nicodemus brings that up, well, then Jesus is talking about the water of the womb, or what we would call amniotic fluid. You know what that's, you know, what the, the, the stuff the babies float around in, in, their, in their mother's womb. And here's a fun fact about amniotic fluid. You know, this stuff starts out as mostly water from the mom's body. But as the baby grows, it becomes mostly urine from the baby. Now, you mix in some nutrients, hormones, and antibodies, and you've got the perfect protective environment to produce a little tiny person. And to me, that's really cool. Well, that's what some say Jesus means by water. It's the water of the womb. And in this view, Jesus is talking about two births, or two births, which one is natural and one is spiritual. He's saying, you must not only be born of the waters of your mother's womb, which is equivalent to flesh giving birth to flesh, Now you must also be born of the Spirit. Now, I can see how people would take this view or why they hold this view. It's not an irrational interpretation. But rational interpretations are not always the right interpretation. Now, this interpretation, one of the biggest problems with it is it starts from our time and then reads that back into the time of Jesus. Now, just because we call amniotic fluid water, that does not mean the people in Jesus' day called it water. And in fact, according to world-renowned New Testament scholar D.A. Carson, there are no ancient sources that picture natural birth as from water. And what this means is there's literally no chance that either Jesus or Nicodemus would have associated water with natural birth. So Jesus was not talking about the waters of the womb. Another view says the words water and spirit are synonyms. In this view, Jesus is saying you must be born of water and that water is the spirit. But the main problem with this view is that it fails to deal with what Jesus actually said. Jesus said, you must be born of water and the Spirit. So he's talking about two things. He's talking about water and he's talking about the Spirit, two different things. So water is not the Spirit. Spirit is not water, so Jesus is not saying that the water is the Spirit. You know, there are other views that interpret the water as the water of the Word. Some say it means something else, all these other different interpretations. But I think the best view is this view. What if the word water really just means water? You know, H2O, that's what he's talking about, right? You know, that's the most straightforward interpretation. None of us would pick up the Scripture and read that and then read all these other things into it unless we were taught to read it that way. If Jesus is talking about water, we say, hey, he's talking about water. And that's the interpretation that was held by every Christian writer for the first 1,500 years. Of the church. That's a long history of teaching the same thing until you get to Martin Luther. And by the way, Martin Luther taught that we were born again through water and the Spirit. It's the people who come after Martin Luther who start teaching something different. The first 1500 years of the church, everybody believed the same thing that Jesus is talking about water. So I think this is the right interpretation. We can't go wrong with that interpretation. When Jesus says you must be born of water, he's talking about real. Water, he's talking about the water of Christian baptism. And we find support for this view in the immediate context. So after Jesus talked to Nicodemus about being born of water, being born of water in the spirit, the next episode in John's gospel is about, guess what? Let's read it. As John tells us in John 3.22, he says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, And he remained with them there and baptized. See, John says that after these things, and what are these things? What's he talking about? After Jesus talked to Nicodemus about being born of water and the Spirit, well, the first thing Jesus and his disciples did was to go into the land of Judea where his disciples were baptizing. And listen, this is not a coincidence. This is the Holy Spirit carrying John along, inspiring him to be a good writer Jesus and his disciples are speaking the same message in Judea that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in Jerusalem. You must be born again. You must be born from above to enter the kingdom of God. And the way this rebirth comes about is through water and the Spirit, and those who responded to that message were baptized. So the water Jesus talked about in John 3, 3 is the water of holy baptism. Now, we do need to be clear about something. It's not water alone that brings about the miracle of the new birth. It's through water and the Spirit that we are born again. And this means that the Holy Spirit is at work in the waters of baptism to to produce the new birth in us. Water without the Spirit is just water. Water with the Holy Spirit is energized by God's grace, and so baptism becomes the regenerating and recreating bath through which God miraculously births us into his kingdom and transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. People don't like the word baptismal regeneration. I'm not sure why, because the scriptures teach that. Baptismal regeneration. We are regenerated, born again through the waters of baptism. In some mysterious way, the Holy Spirit is present and active in the waters of baptism. And he uses the waters of baptism to impart God's grace to us and bring about the new birth from above. So, how are we born again? We're born again through water and the Spirit and holy baptism. All right, so we've answered our first two questions about being born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means to be born anew from above. How are we born again? We're born again through water and the Spirit in holy baptism. And that brings us to our third and final question about being born again. What must we do to be born again? Well, Jesus answered that question in John 3, 5. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I've already said that God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And this spiritual kingdom is the sphere of salvation. In God's kingdom, we find salvation from sin, we find salvation from Satan, from demons, and death. In God's kingdom, we're saved from our old sinful life, from the realm of darkness, and born again to live a new life as citizens of heaven and the kingdom of light. So, why must why must we why must we be born again? I think I just my my notes were a little bit off here. The question is, why must we be born again? So we must be born again to enter God's kingdom and be saved. We must be born again to enter God's kingdom and be saved. Now, since Jesus links baptism in water with being born again, what this means is, unless we're born again through water and the Spirit in holy baptism, we cannot be saved. And this is why being born again is so important, and this is why understanding how to be born again is so important. Sadly, many people who claim to speak for God nullify God's Word through human traditions. So they don't understand how it could be that God uses material things to bring about spiritual realities. So we live in a time when people have replaced God's means of being born again with their own means. Instead of being baptized, they've invented the altar call, a hand raised with every eye closed and every head bowed. They've invented what some call a sinner's prayer and others a prayer of salvation. Let me give you an example from a very popular preacher of what I'm talking about. He ends every sermon with this invitation. He says, the scriptures say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you would like to know Christ, all you have to do to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is say a prayer of salvation then he says this, pray this aloud, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins, come into my heart, wash me clean, I make you my Lord and Savior, amen. And then the preacher says this, we believe that if you prayed that simple prayer, you have been born again. What this is, now I'm going into my own words, I'm not quoting this preacher anymore, in my own words now, what this is, is someone who has produced a human tradition that nullifies God's Word. Because in God's Word, you will never find any command to say a sinner's prayer, to ask Jesus into your heart, or say some prayer of salvation. Instead, God's chosen means to bring about salvation is through water and the Spirit in holy baptism. As Jesus says to His disciples in Mark 16, 15-16, He says, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Preaching the gospel is preaching the good news that the kingdom of God has come. And Jesus, preaching also that Jesus is God's son. He's the anointed king of God's kingdom. And that God is now reigning through his son as people become a part of God's kingdom by submitting themselves to God's Son. And all who believe in the Son of God and submit to Him as their King, well, you can become a part of God's heavenly kingdom and be saved. And how are people saved into this kingdom or brought into it? Jesus said, whoever believes the gospel and responds to it by being baptized will be saved. Paul teaches the same truth in Titus 3.5. He says, He, and he's talking about God, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we get the term baptismal regeneration. The word rebirth is regeneration. He regenerates us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So this is Paul's way of saying we must be born again through water and the Spirit. See, God saves us from our past, and he gave us a new life, and a new heart, and a new start through the new birth. But through the regenerating and saving work of the Spirit that God accomplishes in the waters of baptism, we are born again. It's in the waters of baptism that we're born anew, we're born from above through water and the Spirit. And it's in the waters of baptism that God saves us. Peter talks about the saving effects of baptism in 1 Peter three twenty through 21 he says, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, so notice Peter says that baptism is not about removing dirt from our bodies. When baptism, we're appealing to God to cleanse our conscience from our past sins and to make us a new creation through the resurrection of Christ. So God uses the outward sacrament of baptism to do something spiritual inside of us. Through baptism, God imparts His grace to us, renews our hearts, regenerates us, and births us anew into God's kingdom. And notice just like jesus just like paul peter tells us that baptism now saves us you know i'm laboring this point because so many have said and are still saying baptism does not save us you'd be amazed at the mental the mental gymnastics they got to do to get around what peter plainly said they just don't they can't take it at face value and say baptism now saves you they say baptism does not save us baptism is merely symbolic baptism is not necessary And you don't need to be baptized to be saved. See, preachers passionately say such things as if they're true. And a lot of the church has been duped into believing these lies that come from the enemy. But again, those are all human traditions. Traditions that set aside God's commands and nullify the Word of God. See, Jesus said baptism does save us. Paul said baptism does save us. Peter said baptism does save us. The Word of God says the baptism does save us so we should say what God's Word says. And we should tell those who don't like what the Word of God says and who make up their own way to receive salvation, well, we should tell them to either say what the Word of God says or stop claiming to speak for God. Stop claiming to speak for God. False pastors have been in the church for way too long teaching things that aren't true. And Paul says somewhere that, that people like that need to be silenced, Right? So if somebody's not going to say what the Word of God says, we should tell them to stop talking. Just don't talk. And that's not a bad thing because we're all going to be judged. All of us pastors are going to be judged for what we said, what we taught you all. And I do feel sorry for pastors who taught things that are against God's Word because on the day of judgment, not only they are going to have a rude awakening, but their followers are going to have a rude awakening. We don't want to be among them, right? So we want to say what God says. We want to to speak God's Word. And God says we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. We must be born again to be saved. And God says the way we're born again is through water and the Spirit, and that means we must be baptized to be saved. So from here on out, let's believe God's Word. Let's believe that baptism now saves us, and just leave it at that. We don't need to explain it any further. Just say what God says and leave it at that. Now, there are... uh, there's a question that comes up when we start saying what the scriptures say about the necessity of baptism for salvation. And many of you might have this question or something similar. What about people who have not been baptized? Can those people be saved? What if they were taught wrong about baptism? What if they never had the opportunity to be baptized? Maybe they're in prison or in a place where water is not available, or maybe, as often happened in the early church, maybe they were martyred, killed for their faith in Jesus before they could be baptized. What about those people? Now, this is something if you haven't been listening up to this point, or if you haven't been taking notes, I want you to get something out so you can write this down. You need to write this down because this is a nugget of truth that you need to remember so that you can pass this on to other people. What happens to someone who has never been baptized? What does God do with those people? Now, write this down. I don't know. See, I'm not God, so I'll stay off God's throne, and I'll let God be the judge, right? And I'll just be God's servant who says what his word says, and I believe that God will always do what's just and right, and whatever God does with people who have not been baptized will be just and right. And you might not like that answer, but that's the only answer you're ever going to get from me. What does God do with people who aren't baptized? I don't know. But we do need to understand this. The fact that some people do not or cannot get baptized does not change what the Scriptures clearly say about the necessity of baptism for salvation. Now, we have a fine way in the modern church of making exceptions into the rule. See, if I can come up with an exception, then that means that the rule doesn't apply but that's not any way to read the scriptures. That's not any way to live our lives. See, the rule is that baptism is the normal means through which God has chosen to bring about new birth in us and make us a new creation. Baptism is the normal means through which God has chosen to save us, to purify our hearts, to wash away our sins, to cleanse our conscience, to unite us with Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection, to make us a part of His body. So, I don't know what God would do with people who are not baptized, but I do know that God's Word says we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God and be saved, and we must be baptized to be born again. So, I'm just going to keep teaching the rule and let God deal with the exceptions. Now, as we close, this is where the rubber meets the road, as they say, because as for you and I, as, as, we're, as far as we're concerned, none of us are the exceptions. Nobody in this room is the exception. None of us has any excuse for not following the rule about baptism. None of us will be able to stand in front of God on judgment day and say, I was ignorant about baptism, or I could not be baptized, or I was never taught about baptism, or I was never given the opportunity to be baptized. Why can we not say that? Because we've learned today that baptism is the means through which we're born again. So we've answered these three questions about being born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means we're born anew from above. How are we born again? We're born again through water and the Spirit and holy baptism. Why must we be born again? We must be born again to enter God's kingdom and be saved. So with all that in mind, let me ask you, with every head up and with every eye opened, have you been born again? Have you submitted to King Jesus as your king? Have you been born again through water and the Spirit and holy baptism? You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God and be saved. You must be baptized to be born again. So if you've never done that, what I'm going to do is give you the opportunity to do that today right after I say this prayer. So let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that through your word you teach us how to be born again and enter your kingdom where we find salvation. But allow your word to drown out and drown out any uh, the many human voices and teachings and traditions that set aside and nullify your word. Give us your grace, Lord, to embrace and live out the truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So with everything that I talked about today in mind... um, If you haven't, if you've never been baptized, you say, I mean, you'll meet people that have been Christians, Christians for 30 years, and they never got baptized. Maybe people are like that here today. I want to give you the opportunity, Uh, the the baptistry's filled up. If you want to be born again, the way the scriptures tell us to be born again, I'm opening this up to everybody. Come forward, we'll, um, we'll get you ready, and we'll get you in the water, and we'll get you born again. That's what this thing's all about. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, back to what I was saying about being born again. If you want to be born again today, well, where the baptistry is open, uh, I'm also going to uh, baptize Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was up here a couple weeks ago, and he became a member of the church. You might say, "Well, how's he a member of the church before he got baptized?" Well, Jonathan had been baptized before by someone else. Uh, Jonathan didn't understand what he was doing so he comes to me and says, I didn't know what I was doing can you baptize me again so, because now I understand what it is and I want to do it for that reason so this is why Jonathan's going to come and get, get baptized again today You'll be, uh, it, it amazes me how many people I talk to who've never been, nobody's ever explained to them what this thing's about, nobody tells them this is what you're doing when you go in that water you're leaving your old life behind, you're being born again you're rising to live a new life, God is going to give you the Holy Spirit to empower you to live for him that's what baptism is about us leaving one life behind and coming into the kingdom of God. Jonathan, so I'm going to do that for him today. If anybody else wants to be a part of that, we can do it right after church, or we can do it right now. We can do it Anytime you want to do it. If maybe you've never heard something like this before and you have more questions about it. Just come and ask questions because I want people to understand what baptism is so somebody's not like Jonathan 20 years from now and says, I don't know why I got baptized. They just told me to. That's not any way to bring people into the kingdom. It's a complete commitment to Jesus to say, I'm leaving one life behind, so I'm burying that life in the water, and I'm rising to live a new life with Christ. I'm turning away from all my sins, and I want to be baptized to become a part of Christ's kingdom. That's what baptism is about. So if anybody's here who wants to do that, I'm going to go back here, and Jonathan, we're going to go get ready. If while we're doing this you want to think about that or whatever, if you, again, if you want to talk afterwards, we're here to do that. So we're going to get this ready. I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all, and then we'll go, uh, I'm going to go get ready to baptize them. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. go down. I'm not afraid of in now <laughs> go off yeah rock profit dreams in my wallet trip like a faucet the storm is catastrophic time to go to work welcome to my office Started a movement like time itself can't stop it fuck through things i could never forget already
0: walked through hell why you think you a threat i got family to feed i got people to lead. can't afford to slow down because they depending on me got my head on tongue hood up
2: Can't hear you unless your guy himself. I don't fear you. Count a Monte Cristo, see the vision in his crystal. You'll never find the finish line looking in the rear. Soccer through the struggle and the trauma, making engines like a boxer. Hero and a monster, overcome and conquer if I touch a little prostate. Move out the way, hustle to the grave. If you wanna talk down, better say it to my face. Saying tune never change. Gotta go get it. Feed on the plane it's survival of the fittest. It's survival of the fittest. Yeah.